laughter and crying are almost like the two like purest forms of like human emotion and we're so comfortable laughing <laughs> but we're really 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 uptight about crying and i think that's wrong hi i'm lou and this is more permission a podcast for women who want to enjoy life ditch the toxic scripts and live authentically wherever you are however you found this I hope you'll feel welcome here. My guests today are Jen. She's a mum of two small ones. She has a newfound love for outdoor swimming. She loves a box set and she also loves to talk. She has a really nice blog at wrenandsquirrel.com and you can find her on Instagram at jenwrensquirrel. I'm really excited to welcome for the very first time on this podcast, a man. He is a good friend of mine. His name is Alan. He's a father of two. He's 38 and he works in the music industry. He's a therapy advocate and he loves the podcast. So who better to come on the show? And I'm Lou. I also love to talk, write and just generally on a mission for more permission. You can follow me at Big Lou Cook on Instagram and check out some more of my stuff at loucook.com. This episode ended up feeling a bit more like a therapy session for me, but hey, it's real talk. And if it helps any of you, then I'm really happy to just put it out there. So let's get going. So welcome to episode number seven. Okay. I really want us to talk about emotions because we judge our emotions. We moralize them. So joy, excitement, love, peace, happiness, we hold in high regard. We want more of, but things like anger, jealousy, sadness, disappointment, anxiety, pride, we don't like so much, but the emotions we feel are telling us something. They're a symptom, a message, a warning sign. They're an invitation, a gateway to some unidentified, unattended, unmet need. So what if we could truly just give ourselves permission to feel our feelings, whatever comes up, however much we want to recoil from it, push it away, squash it down, deny its existence. What if we just felt each and every emotion as if it had some gift to give us, some truth to show us about what lies beneath our surface, even the bad ones, even the sad ones, even the am I mad ones. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of our emotions over a bunch of these podcasts because I think it could be the most important and life transforming thing we could all do. Permit ourselves to feel it all freely and unapologetically. So today we're diving into sadness and specifically permission to cry. What better episode to introduce for the very first time a man? to the podcast because <laughs> it turns out that one third of our audience are actually men one in three of you who knew so let's balance the conversation out a bit and hear from you so welcome alan hello. and hello jen hi my first question to you guys after my lovely long intro is when was the last time you held back your tears um, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I have, I don't have any recent memories of holding back 
my team. They, yeah, in in the last kind of like two, well, no, just under a year, they have started to come a lot more naturally and I've allowed them to like come a lot more naturally. But before that point, there was probably quite a long stretch. I mean, I would think the best part of a decade where I don't actually really remember crying much at all, mm-hmm. if at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember holding them back so much as there being just like a kind of a block on that kind of part of me. Emotionally, mm-hmm. it would never kind of get to that point where I was visibly holding them back. They, they wouldn't come out in that way. Like mm-hmm. it would come out in frustration or anger or some other kind of like outburst of Mm -hmm. emotion that wasn't or laughter actually laughter Mm -hmm. um that wasn't going down that into that well basically Mm -hmm. wow so you don't need permission to cry you're our expert we've got an expert on the panel tonight (laughs) no i'm not sure (laughs) okay jen what about you I don't know either, actually. I, I cry all the time now. <laughs> um, I cried at Finding Nemo with the turtles. I watched Finding Nemo today with my three and a half year old. I, you know, so much of what you said, Alan, I really agree with. Um, we like jokingly said on a previous podcast about how I like hardly used to cry in real life. Um, until I was like in my mid twenties, maybe a bit later. Until you met Mike, you said. <laughs> I met Mike, my now husband, lucky guy. Um, but I used to watch sad films to try and make me cry, like have that kind of like, oh yeah. <laughs> and and I, I'd say especially like since I've had my kids, I do cry a lot easier. Um, and things affect me that didn't affect me before, partly. So partly there's that, but. I was thinking about like, when would I be embarrassed to cry or when would I hold it back? And it's not that I have a recent experience of it, but I, I think probably at work, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would, you know, I remember actually in a previous job, you know, it must be at least 10 years ago now, I had had a really shit day. <laughs> um, I was working in a school, there was loads going wrong and someone was just chatting to me in the staff room after school and I just started to cry and I legged it to the bathroom because I was mortified that I was getting so emotional and this person followed me really kindly but at the same time you know when you're like oh please just leave Mm. (laughs) but um just didn't want to go through that experience with anybody like so yeah I think work would be a place where I still would be probably a bit like oh hold it together when you've Uh, got your professional head on yeah. Okay. So I've got two experts on the panel and I'm definitely the one that needs some teaching. I'm the one that needs some permission because my answer to that question, I wrote it down and I was like, oh, that's easy. Yesterday morning <laughs> um, and Friday night <laughs> were my two last times. Now, yesterday morning, I was on a walk with um, my partner and we just got into a really deep conversation and I I could have easily cried. I had a lump in my throat. The reason I didn't is because we were out for a walk. We had coffee and a cinnamon bun and there were other people around and we were trying to like have a nice morning and I didn't want to like lose my shit. I felt like if I let some of it out, then it would be a lot. Um, So we touched on it, but I didn't go into it. And, um, so that was the first. And then the, um, Friday night, it was similar. Like we talk deep. Um, that's one of the things that like, I love about our relationship is that we go deep, but, um, Friday night we were sitting down to eat. And again, I got a lump in my throat 
And I just, again, he said, I want to, I want to see it. If, if you've got, if you've got tears, like you can bring them out. And I was like, no, cause I want us to have a nice evening, but just about to have a nice meal. And then I want us to have a nice cuddle and I want us to do like, have a nice time. And that's my problem. Like it's never the right time. Do you, um, you therefore associate that if you did cry, that that would then mark the tone for the rest of the evening or morning? I think it just feels like this last season of my life, Jen, that's your phrase. (laughs) (laughs) This last season of my life has been such an intense one. And I'm talking about the last three years and I haven't really cried. And I'm at the point now where if I, I feel like if I really let some tears out, then I'm, I'm scared of where it will go. Like, it just feels like it's too much. There's, there's pain and there's a lot of crying that needs to happen. I just don't feel like I have the time. It's terrible. I, I can understand that. Like, if you feel like something needs to be given, like time to like really deal with it or mull it over or allow yourself to cry, then it does feel like the thing that often gets put on the back burner. It's interesting, Jen, that you said since you had kids, you cry more or you feel like more moved to cry. Yeah. Because it's the opposite for me. Like I, in the the first year of having Harry, I cried a lot. There was a point where I couldn't stop crying. (laughs) Um, And I remember I actually went to the doctors and asked for um, some pills because I was like, I think I'm depressed. I just couldn't stop crying. But then when I had my marriage crisis three years ago, I stopped crying and I haven't cried really since. And I think it's because my kids are a little bit older now. So at that point they were three and one and now they're six and my girls just turned four today. It just feels like they're more aware and I have to, I feel I have to hold it together. I have to, I have to keep going. Yeah. I watched a funeral, like attended via live streaming or whatever it is this weekend. And um, it was a funeral of three children and a parent. It was awful. <laughs> the funeral wasn't awful, but the um, the situation was. I was watching this on my phone in my room and my three and a half year old just kept coming in and I was just crying, especially at the beginning when I first, you know, like saw the coffins and stuff. And, um, and I worried, I thought, oh, what is she going to think? Like, because I'm so upset. Do you know what? She just it's not that she didn't care, but she was just like, oh, <laughs> like, mm. I think I was like thinking, oh, I, I'm going to have to explain this to her. And how am I going to explain it? Or what will I say and not say? And I think because she feels her emotions just on the surface, seeing me cry, I don't think it it unnerves her like I thought it would. Like I remember being unnerved when I saw my dad cry for the first time. It was at my granddad's funeral. And I remember being so shocked to see my dad cry. Whereas I think actually with my, well, especially with the older one, it's just really normal. I think she can hold that kind of like, sometimes things are sad, sometimes they're not. Yeah. I think it is normal. <laughs> like, like part of the, like part of the reason I feel we've, cause it seems like we've all, and I think most British people certainly <laughs> have got these hangups about doing it in public about being in the presence of someone I I used to find it so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. both at work or even in my relationships when the other person like so I was sitting in front of someone and they were crying I would really like I would feel numb because I was like I don't I don't know I don't know what to do here I don't feel good there'd be this sort of defensive mechanism Mm -hmm. within me and I've got, I feel like I've kind of, it's, I mean, you take laughter and crying are almost like the two like purest forms of like human emotion expression. Mm. Like they're the things that we can do to express emotion that we can't really explain completely. Mm. 
they say they feel so unique to us and we're so comfortable laughing <laughs> but we're really 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 uptight about crying and I think that's wrong <laughs> and I've, I've, I've realized how wrong it is letting it out <laughs> and realizing that I don't have to laugh that I can actually just cry <laughs> is is a really positive thing <laughs> yeah I do agree I am willing to show emotion and I am willing to cry actually just just before Christmas when they did the whole like here's Christmas everyone and then snatched it away I have to say that floored me and I think it was the next morning I was with the kids and I found myself snapping at them I was really frustrated and everything they were doing I was on a short fuse with them and I did check myself I was like what's going on Lou and I like think I, I think I just put them in front of TV and did my morning pages which for anyone that's not listened before journaling basically and figured out that I was really fucking sad about and angry about the fact that you know we'd had it snatched away I was really sad and they came up into my room and I I just put my arm around them and I did I had a few tears and like they were fine so it's not necessarily that I I feel like I can't cry in front of them per se. I think it's more that the whole season that I'm talking about, it was something that was just such a part of the foundation of my life that I really felt like I needed to be strong for them. I felt like if I'd really cried about that with them, it would have been too much. That's how it felt. I don't know if that's true. Like when someone cries in my presence, whether it's up on a stage and they're giving a talk or singing, like when Adele cried at the end of uh, someone like you in the Brits, we all remember that, right? Or in just a conversation, if they cry or if they have like notable like tears in their eyes, it like presses a switch and it's all of like, all of a sudden there's like this deep connection to their humanity. It's like there's a portal to their soul and everyone's like awakened and the atmosphere just changes and it suddenly feels like sacred. I feel like tears can do that. I totally feel that. And I've always felt that when there's been some distance, Mm, until like quite recently when it was like upfront and personal with someone that, and because often, you know, like these situations, they're, they're, you know, especially if you're one-to-one with someone, they, they can be quite complicated. You know, it's either... I don't know, stuff that you feel sad about because you can't fix it for them or Mm. maybe it's something where you've even contributed to it. Mm. And up until quite recently, I wasn't very good at dealing with that and almost wanted like a kind of like get me out of here button. Yeah. (laughs) And and that probably kind of taps into that, you know, you're kind of, if I do this, the evening won't be as good in some way because we have these kind of like ideas that it kind of means something uncomfortable. I mean, I've definitely felt this. I realized I had a lot of ideas about crying where it kind of, it was naturally, yeah, something to feel uncomfortable. I remember kind of seeing a lot of adults crying kind of like, hidden like where they didn't know I could either hear them or they were trying to hide it in some way and I feel like that really informed my view of crying that it was like something shameful that you kind of wanted to like hide up you know mask away as quick as possible and like cover cover up in some way yeah and I think there is sometimes that kind of feeling of am I burdening someone else with something I'm not even sure how to explain but I am sad about Mm. something or I am really feeling something yeah, I mean, sometimes you've got an accumulation and you've just got tears to spend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I, I I had that in the summer, and this is this was amazing actually. I was 
taking an evening walk on the harbour side um, with my partner. And we, sorry, this is going to get with my partner, but he's the only person I've hung out with for the last year other than my kids. Um, and we were, we were just sat um, by the water and I had my back to him and he was just like stroking my hair. And we just sat there in silence for about 10 minutes. He's very sensitive and he was just aware that I was in something. And then suddenly these tears just started coming out. And actually at one point, like pretty sobbing. And I have to say, as I was crying, I was thinking in my head, okay, I need to explain this. I need to, exp- I need to like give this a narrative. But as I did, and I turned around and went, I was just thinking about, he just went, you don't need to tell me why you're crying. And he just carried on stroking my hair. It was amazing. It was just so free and yeah. It's funny. I, I actually think Mike is the opposite to your partner, Lee, my husband. I, I, like, yeah. Stop telling me why, why you're feeling every emotion. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I think it doesn't need to be the biggest thing in the world as well. I have definitely had like experiences in church where I've cried or in like yoga as well, like just that release. And it hasn't really meant anything. It's just needed. And then you just carry on. <laughs> Church used to be my, like my weekly or fortnightly or monthly um, cry right. fest because the music, the communal singing, like it got me, it really got me. And <laughs> obviously I have this death, this build up, and I'm not really that good at processing my tears. So every time I just bullet yeah and people around me would probably be like oh my goodness what is she crying about I didn't care I was a mess <laughs> and then I'd just walk out and it was really healing and I haven't had that I haven't had that for a couple of years and I think that's my issue because somewhere like church also in in a big setting can provide an and and non I can't say it I don't know why I started this word can make you feel anonymous in a good way <laughs> um to give you that space as well. So it is communal, but it also isn't that focused on you. That can be quite, for all kind of emotions, I think that can be quite healing. What happens when you don't cry? When, when you need to and you don't? I either laugh or get angry. Can you give me an example of where that's happened? Um, when you say laugh, do you mean like, like literally in the moment? <laughs> Or do you mean like like? No, I think I kind of teeter on this weird edge of like I could go either way, and it really depends on what happens around me. Or like snappy, like you were saying about with your kids the other day, like just more likely to like snap at somebody. Mm. What about you, Alan? If you can remember that far back. Well, no, because I don't. <laughs> I, like I don't. It's not like a kind of intensely frequent thing. I don't cry for like minutes and minutes, <laughs> but it's more just like when I kind of feel that emotion. I'm much more comfortable with it showing, you know, or, or getting to that stage. But the the period before that, and it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't that far back. It was about a year, but the, I mean, it sort of got unlocked through therapy sessions, basically. I had quite a lot of barriers to the, to the process, like initially. And one of the main barriers was like, there'd be a lot of like nervous laughter or rationalizing, trying to kind of bring things into, yeah. I, the intellectual world, the world, mm. and like talk about them as ideas. And I had a couple of, I had at least one, one or two sessions where I, I laughed for like almost all this, the session. And because wow. my, my therapist was just like, she would just sit there, like making me sit in it basically and not saying anything. And then I'd start laughing. So I'd like, well, I'm, are you not going to ask me a question? Like, wow. are we just going to do it? <laughs> and that would go. And then we'd get to the point where she'd like, I'm really interested in like what's behind the laughter. 
And then I'd kind of that's think good. That, I'd sort of think about that for a bit and kind of it would pull something and then I'd start laughing again. Um and we did that for like at least a session, if not two. And then eventually, yeah, the, the laughter like turned into like tears. <laughs> wow. Like, um and then stuff, you know, like honest stuff would start like flying out and I'd be like, and then it would feel good, wouldn't it? It feels good once you start like being honest about stuff, mm. including the stuff that makes you not feel great or that you're holding on to that's like created negative cycles in your life. It feels good once you get it out there in that way, in a sort of supported way. But I know that the period before that, like there was yeah a lot of losing my temper, a lot of kind of like getting frustrated that I couldn't say things that I wanted to say. I don't know. You just you just hold on to them, don't you? Whether you're like insecure, you're you've got anxiety about it, you 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 feel slightly shameful, or you just feel awkward about having that that conversation. Yeah, it's just just I guess it, it was like quite gradual and like long and yeah, not painful, but like. <laughs> like you know emotional process but healing by the like there's just a sort of perspective that's mm. like widened up you know I know that before I got to this point or was comfortable with this and I saw it from this perspective I knew that I was kind of like losing my temper quite a bit I used to see things like just everything from like yeah just I don't know crying apologizing it just felt like the bit that we needed to go, I just I'd want to move through it as quick as possible to get to the bit where we just start sorting stuff out. So when you got comfortable sitting with your emotional mess, did you straight away feel the same about sitting with other people in their tears? Yeah, I guess part for me, and I think, I, I, I don't know if this will like chime with, you know, some of your male listeners, but you kind of realise that um, being uncomfortable with those situations was making them, them worse because, you know, people don't feel heard or like listened to i think there is a bit of a thing you know across like males are sort of it's not as expected from them i think that's that sort of stuff has stuck with a lot of us even if we think it hasn't where you just you just don't think it's the thing that men do i don't remember my dad crying yeah Yeah. and that you know like that that kind of leaves an impression doesn't it in some way even if it's a subconscious one he cries a lot more now in his older age yeah (laughs) i think also i it's easy to project that that kind of judgment I guess on on other people I've definitely in the past thought oh that guy's a bit emotional (laughs) and which is completely harsh but like just because maybe it seems so unusual to see a guy do you know what I mean showing that much emotion that expressive that expressive exactly because I wasn't used to that and I feel like my dad did show occasionally tears like his dad's funeral but they weren't very often and so they did shock me when I saw him cry I always get really annoyed that sounds like such a nagging wife with my husband because he doesn't cry any of his like pinnacle moments you know like at the wedding at the birth of the kids right (laughs) But he's not really a crier. I mean, we were chatting about it earlier and I was like, can you actually remember the last time you actually cried? And he couldn't really. But he's like, but I have really strongly felt emotion. You know, he just doesn't really shed tears. And I don't know whether that's just like learnt behaviour or whether he just doesn't cry much. <laughs> but, um, Mike, if you're listening, do some soul searching. <laughs> answers. <laughs> I also used to like be quite anxious about the fact that I didn't, you know, I was like, do I not, am I kind of numb? You know, do I like not have a certain depth of emotion? Positive stuff, like the birth of both our children was like, yeah, for me was like a kind of big 
emotional crying might have meant <laughs> and then i don't know once you kind of and, it, and it, it gave it quite a positive spin i was like wow that was fucking good yeah then that kind of i guess piqued my curiosity on some level and then yeah got to another part on my journey and then i was like well yeah ended up realizing that the kind of yeah crying and sadness was that could actually be a positive thing as well mm. And it's hard, isn't it? It's that separation as well of like, like we've done of like crying is a physical response that at times is linked to sadness, at times is linked to happiness, excitement, lots of other emotions. And I think there is two different strands of thought that have been unhelpful to a lot of people, probably more so men. Um, and that is one, that men shouldn't cry. But two is that all of us shouldn't really wallow in our sadness there's kind of like the oh wallow wallow is such a negative i know i've been reading harry potter again recently and there's that moaning myrtle in the bathroom have you i can't relate i haven't read a single oh, one no. anyway oh my goodness two non-potters here there'll, oh be, plenty God, of people, there'll be plenty of people that know what you're talking about jen just chat away anyway it's just this this girl ghost sorry, that is in one of the bathrooms and she's always moaning and crying. And in the films, it's like done on a grey blue scale, you know, scale across the bathroom. And that kind of feeling of like, oh, she's just wallowing in her sadness all the time, you know. Mm. And like you said, it's just got so many negative connotations. So there's the feeling of like people feel they shouldn't cry, but then there's the also, oh, but you shouldn't wallow in your sadness. You should be, like Alan was saying, you should be productive. You should think about, how are you going to get past this? What's Be this? efficient in your crying. Yeah. <laughs> Cry and move on. <laughs> I think just removing the kind of the base, like it's not a good thing filter or like it's something that you, you should, you shouldn't do in public. Yeah. That, that, I guess that's, that's the kind of filter. I think a lot of people have, it's not something that should be done in public, certainly not at work. And I think, you know, we spend so much of our time at work and I think a lot of us, for a lot of us, like our professional self is like, rightly or wrongly like a huge part of our kind of identity mm-hmm. if you start off from there where it's just not the thing that you should do at work and then it's very easily it's not even in friendship groups i've had friendship group yeah but when you need to like i feel like when we were in our kind of like 20s there's a lot of like partying and having a good time and yes you had your like emotional connections with like select people and maybe some people had them with multiple people in the group but when you're all there on mass people don't want to kind of like, or didn't want to like be, you know, like sitting there with, with someone really like laying it out emotionally. And let's be honest, at the end of every good party, Alan, there's always a girl crying, isn't there? There's always a girl. (laughs) But there were, but there were, you know, making best friends with some randomer in the toilets. Having, I think having space for all these things is important, isn't it? I don't know if there, in our culture and certainly, you know, like if there always was space for that it definitely wasn't something that you would feel like it was like part of a good night out in your 20 in my 20s do you know I, mean? I would I would say I'd say the opposite there was always crying at the end of a good night yeah. out yeah because people were <laughs> lost their inhibitions and girls really didn't like it was normal for girls to cry at the end right. of a night out it, it often pointed to some deep sadness or something going on someone had just been dumped you know there was always a drama yeah. behind it but I feel like girls definitely would be more free or certainly my girls to cry there was I can't remember many big nights out where there wasn't someone crying at some point but maybe that's just my lot no I would I would say that about my friends as well but I would say usually that was after considerable amounts of alcohol oh yeah 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 and there's that in itself is like it's just all coming out isn't it that's not someone like 
having a kind of mind and I don't know if this makes it like a mindful and it kind of again that gives you a sort of like oh god it's just one of those things that people do when they've had too much to drink and they've like got a load of shit going on yeah but don't you think that's because they haven't done it when they're sober yeah totally oh, but then that's the thing isn't it we should be we should do more of it when we're comfortable and so absolutely I mean there's a lot of things there's a lot of things you only do when you're really drunk in your 20s that by the yeah. time you, you've grown up a bit you can do sober there's a lot of things yeah, that you don't yeah. as well though isn't there <laughs> yes. you remember like Diana's death was that oh, like yeah. 1997, yeah. I think? Every, all the big things happened in 97. Encore and foie, Diana's death. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm so proud of that reference. <laughs> um, I just remember my mum's a therapist and I remember her observing the funeral um, on TV and just making a comment that stuck with me. She was like, these people aren't grieving Diana. They're grieving their own losses in life and it's still being channeled through this. Mm. They didn't know Diana. And I'm not, okay, so I, I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you're like, no, fuck you, Lou, I was grieving Diana. Sorry, maybe you were the exception. But I think there's a general trend. Do you remember that year where all the celebrities died a few years ago? <laughs> you know, do you remember the yeah, year? Yeah, no, I do, yeah. Bowie yeah. started it and then they all started dying. I think a lot of people were super sad about a lot of those deaths when maybe they were channeling the stuff they hadn't cried about. Maybe, but also like I, I used to be very much in your mum's camp where I'd be like, oh God, people crying over celebrities, like probably, yeah, even more kind of like <laughs> cynical. And now I've realized, well, actually like any reason for someone to feel like an emotional connection to something and mm. feel it. I don't know if I should like judge on that. Or I don't think my I don't think my mum was judging them. I don't think she yeah. was saying, well, she was judging them, but I don't think she was saying they shouldn't be. I think she was yeah. saying they found access to the grief that they're carrying or the sadness or the losses that they're carrying through this public event. Yeah. And it's I think we do that in films, we do that in in totally, yeah, yeah. all our emotional cords. For me it's Mariah Carey. <laughs> it's um yeah I think I felt the gr- the grief not s- specifically for Diana but for somebody whose life had been cut short in that way and just like solidarity to her sons I guess and the family mm-hmm. for such a, a horrific situation that had played out so publicly for so long like but my mum cried and she turned to me also a therapist by the way Alan the joys um right. and said oh I'm crying because it reminds me of losing my mum and both my parents had lost their mums quite young. So they did talk about it being that's why they were crying, not for necessarily Diana, but for their own losses. Whereas I would say for me, yeah, obviously I didn't connect it to anybody. I was just thinking it's awful that this has happened. Mm. And I, as I said before, I have got like a whole load of sad films that I used to watch and still watch occasionally. Just to Okay, so cry. let's go around and do our, our sad, the, the saddest film. If you need a sob fest, what film are you going to? Oh, I would go to Steel Magnolias, by the way. Okay, I'm going to repeat last time. Beaches. But also, I remember Titanic. I just remember crying so much. And at the end of the film, I was stood up, I was stood waiting for a lift from my mum. And I was just, I was thinking there was three of us and we were all just sobbing our eyes out. So yeah, Titanic and Beaches. Alan, do you have one? Um... Not that I go to, it's like, I do end up like, not like sobbing, but having a bit of a cry at the, you know, in a, quite a few films. Um, I mean, 
I know it's not a fictional one, but the Whitney documentary, I remember like really, oh, yeah. like, have you seen the film Whitney? Because yeah. I just didn't have that much of a clue that her life was that tragic, you know, from start to finish. Yeah, that I found that quite intense to watch. Um, See, I've seen that and I don't think I shed a tear. Really? And this is where I think there's something wrong with me. I really do. Oh, I don't know. I think what people connect into is different. No, I want to, I want to cry, Jen. <laughs> also, by the way, my girl... <laughs> Again, when, seen it Didn't shed a tear When she's trying to get put his glasses on When he's in the coffin Honestly, I cry everything now though So honestly, I'm not even I shouldn't even be asked I cry at lots of things that just aren't sad I'm going to get some tears from you tonight I want to make a sacred moment <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to cry? What do we gain from it? Oh, does anyone actually know the science? There must oh, be. Oh, we're not science. scientists. If, if you want to know the scientific answer, go and Google it. But no, but in relation in relation to like your own thoughts and feelings on it. No, but I just think I imagine the science would back up that feeling of release and absolutely, yeah. We actually do need to get it out. That's why I'm worried. Why don't I cry? Maybe you just need to give some time to. I need to block out a week. Yeah, if you yeah maybe I do. I'm sure there are like crying retreats and things like this as well. Not really? that you do. It sounds like you do quite a bit. No, I really don't. I really don't. But What's the weekly like normal <laughs> or the monthly normal? No, I've got lots of moments where I know I'm in touch with something. Yeah. So like I gave you Saturday morning and Friday night as my last two. Like I literally like I know the moments because I feel the lump in my throat, but it doesn't go beyond the lump because I don't have the time or it's an inappropriate moment. Or the kids are around. It's just locked down. And do you do you feel like it's held back, or do you feel like you've connected with what that's about and that emotion, and that's been a like a positive thing? Or I feel, feel like, like the, the, I, no, I, I know that it's, it's that moment. It's just like I've just dipped my toe in an ocean, and I'm like, okay, better put that on my to do list. <laughs> I've got so many moments where I'm like, okay, that's on my to do list. <laughs> To go and like deep dive into that. that. Yeah, yeah. By the way, guys, if you're listening to this and you're feeling concerned for me right now, like, <laughs> you know, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm well. I'm I'm good. I think if you give yourself time for some of this stuff, you'll realize that the other things that maybe you've prioritized it underneath can not be such a big deal. So, like, if you end up crying and then you don't have the most amazing meal, but you do have a lovely rest of evening. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah, I mean, I, I know that feeling of like touching that kind of <laughs> your toe in the ocean kind of feeling and being like, oh shit, like what could come out of this? But I also think that like our bodies and our minds are very resilient actually. And our bodies learn to like kind of regulate emotion. So we carry on and, and be a more productive self. Maybe there would be the odd time where it opens, you know, like floodgates, so to speak, but that wouldn't be your day-to-day experience from now on it would just be that's the thing yeah like just to spin another way like because you you started you started this clue by going what what do you gain from crying like mm. what, what do you lose what do you lose from crying yeah because because time really yeah you do if you spend some time crying you lose yeah. time <laughs> You spent two hours in a therapy room laughing before you could cry. So I'm not worried about losing face. That's not it for yeah. me. Mm. Um, 
I lose control. Yeah. So the bit, the bit yeah, around yeah, my kids, that's that's yeah. about losing control. Or if you're at work and you're keeping your professional head on. I guess even just like therapy in itself was a loss of control that I had to like mm. accept that I really wasn't comfortable with to start. And um, I guess for me, when personally I realised that the more I tried to like keep hold of control with things that clearly like you can't control, the less control I actually had. I mean, you've talked about it on this podcast a lot, you know, like when you squash things, the things that I was squashing, like, yeah, that it would it would just create dysfunctional behaviour, which mm. to be honest is one of the worst forms of loss of control. Absolutely. <laughs> like snapping at your kids or your, your other half because, yeah, there's loads of stuff that you haven't resolved. That's like the worst form of loss of not the worst that's like a that's a very negative form of it's of, only an illusion that you're keeping control exactly yeah. yeah i think that's that's the thing yeah the more you try and control or hold back you're right yeah i think it's about almost like learning to like surf them in some way <laughs> and, an analogy maybe after a deep dive into them yeah <laughs> you know that's what i think i need a deep dive and you're making me think that the more we're talking about it which is really good because that's part of why i do this podcast it's like for me and for anyone listening this could be helpful to move you on to whatever it is you need in this area and for me i do need to have a good old cry and maybe next time i've got a nice beautiful dinner in front of me that i'm about to tuck into and i'm feeling that lump in my throat i will actually say maybe this could go cold and i'll do what i need to do right now <laughs> I, i've got i've got it in my head like i've had a few therapy sessions where we've hit on stuff that i'm like whoa that's that's making me want to cry but in my head i'm like but I want to get my money's worth. So we've got stuff to talk about. And I don't see the crying as the thing that's going to therapeutically change me. Then you have that moment, don't you, when you sort of like pause and reflect without trying to fix it. You do think, well, what's what's this about? And then often I think the answer to that question is like quite interesting and one that you wouldn't have had before wouldn't mm. have thought of before you, you let it out. Do you know what mm. I mean? If you were just like, put, it's like a dam, isn't it? That you're just holding off. And then once it's out, it's like, oh. Yeah. So I'm, I think I'm like the opposite of you, Lou, where I can cry really easily, but I don't spend very long pondering my sadness. So. Okay. Whilst I ponder my sadness all the time and I don't cry. Crying. Is it weak or is it strong? How many times when a kid falls over and they jump back up again, dust themselves down, we go, oh, well done. You're so brave. You're so brave. Brave for not crying. Are we brave when we cry or are we brave when we don't cry? What are the messages we're giving or given as a kid? Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely give messages to my children that are <laughs> against my theory in my head. Yes, because I'm like, yeah. oh, she's so brave. She didn't, she didn't even cry. You know, I say that. Yeah, I do. And I don't know if that's necessarily a, a bad yeah. a bad thing because emotional like understanding and resilience need not be like mutually exclusive. You know, there's almost like this feeling like you're either one or the other. And it's like, actually like I kind of feel more resilient the more kind of in touch I get with some of my sadder emotions. Mm, and definitely. You know, I think it's fine, you know, like and I, you can also overthink this, can't you, a bit like you know, do you want your kid like bawling his eye, his or her eyes out every time they, they fall over? Probably not. And I think if they can build up a resilience to those situations, I think that's a, 
it generally is a good thing. Like, do you want them to feel comfortable, like sitting down with you and telling you like that they're really sad? Cause like, I don't know, one of their mates has said some like not very nice things to them at school, you know, and I'm feeling comfortable doing that to saying, sitting with that to the point where they start crying. Like, I think, yes, like, of course you, in my opinion, of course you do. So I don't know if they have, it has to be like a sort of, you know, mixed message necessarily. Like, I think that kind of, you know, yeah. Um, no, are, are you, you know, you're brave because you've sort of like dusted yourself off after like getting a bit of a knock, you know, of a fall. I don't think that's sort of like a mixed message with the more, what I'd feel like the more coaxing out that more like emotional side of your children and having them be comfortable with that. I don't know. I don't know what I think. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying I really want my kids to cry all the time. I definitely say all the mantras around like, yeah, you're brave for not crying. Or if they are crying, I'll think of what I've got in my bag and I'll distract them and I'll be like, oh, look, I've got a chocolate or, you know, and that's, I think that's terrible. Is there anything we haven't talked about in relation to crying? that either of you want to i mean do you do you feel like there is uh i mean do you expect like men to cry do you feel like there is a kind of like a difference in expectations in stereotype in yeah i feel like i've seen less men cry in my life um Mm. but my partner cried with me yesterday so he's more in touch with his tears I don't know. You just, you see less men crying in films and, you know, you just see less men crying. So it does feel stranger to see a man cry. Um, But if you've got a relationship with that man and they are someone who, you know, cries, then it normalizes it. I think it's just that discomfort of seeing someone in a state that you're not used to seeing them in. So perhaps where we've maybe seen our dads cry once or twice, we felt uncomfortable because it was once or twice. Whilst if they were men that cried a lot more, then we would feel more comfortable with that. That feels to me the measure of whether or not it feels unexpected, uncomfortable, unusual. I do do feel like it would be helpful if there wasn't so much of a kind of like stigma of any kind of like tears in a sort of professional setting or perceived stigma. Mm. I feel like that. I just think that's just the it's it's where we spend so much of our life. Feels like it's not a good thing for it to be so shut off in that situation. Because I think you know most of the time, I mean, at least for me, most of the time it is just you know you're facing up to the fact that something's not that great and it, you feel it, and it's just a couple of tears will come down. Like why shouldn't someone feel comfortable with that? You know, mm-hmm. at work. Yeah, it feels like it's it would be it would be good if it was more normalized now you know if like if yeah. just someone being a bit emotional at work was was okay mm. you know oh, i completely i completely agree and I actually completely- when i've seen it in other colleagues it's not been weird at all in fact it's been really empowering often because you're like oh they're such a good leader and they're so vulnerable but you know open with it like that's amazing yeah brave yeah, brave, exactly. I'm not sure I'd feel okay crying at work. And that annoys me because I don't think it needs to be the big thing that it is. Um, going back to genders, I think there is a stigma. And I think that's partly just lack of like conversation around it and lack of role models. But also I think I think in relationships often opposites attract. And regardless of the gender, there might be someone who is more in touch with their emotions or more expressive than the other one. I used to think, oh often the girl will be more in touch in expressing their emotions. But now I feel like I know more and more cases where it's the guy or they're a same-sex couple and it's one or the other. Just me. And yeah, 
And I really think that's kind of made me just be a bit more like, oh, yeah, of course, Jen, that like it can be any of us. We're all different, but also we're not like fixed to these stereotypes of, oh, yeah, girls will be more in touch with their emotions and guys won't be. So, yeah, I don't know if I've. I'm just, I'm staying in an awkward silence to see if you start no. laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I always will. <laughs> I know, right? We should do permission to be silent. Totally. We could have a 90 minute special on silence. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, definitely love you on again if you're um, up for it. You've you've gone out and got a mic, so looks like you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that. All right then, much love. Mwah, mwah. Take care. And that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. To find out more about me and my guests, please check the links in the show notes. And to support the podcast, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to join me on Instagram at Big Lou Cook and let me know your thoughts about the episode. Until next time.